In today's interview, I'm going to be speaking with Richard Penny, a UK equities manager who's perhaps best known for the 15 years he spent working at legal and general investment management. During his time there, he ran funds including LNG UK Alpha Trust and LNG UK Special Situations Trust up until the end of 2017. Last year, Richard joined Crux Asset Management, a much smaller firm which specialises in running European and UK equities funds and has run FP Crux UK Special Situations Fund since its launch in September 2018. Richard, thank you for joining us today. Now, first of all, what does FP Crux UK Special Situations invest in and what does it aim to do? So we're we're looking to beat the UK stock market on a three to five year period by about 5% per annum. So it's a capital gains fund and it's a concentrated fund. So we're not loading up with hundreds of investments. We're just trying to find the ones uh, that we really like. And I've taken money that I made from the Alpha Trust you mentioned and put it into this fund, uh, all of it and a bit more. And some of the other principles at Crooks do the same and that's that's a house strategy of alignment and so the prospect is really one of co-investing with us in in the type of companies that we like so-called skin in the game skin in the game absolutely alignment whatever you like to call it okay you mentioned you're quite selective about uh you know what you put in so when you are choosing holdings for FP Crux UK special situations you're obviously aiming for what you consider to be good companies what's your definition of a good business or a good company a good business will create shareholder value through time sometimes they'll grow very quickly with high return on capital and compound uh, compound those that shareholder wealth very quickly but it's key for me that we make good investments so good businesses are only good investments if you buy them at the right price and slightly counterintuitive you can buy a moderate business that is priced for total failure, where you can also make very good money. Okay. I mean, that sounds like a really good strategy, but I suppose the key question is, how do you work out what a good business is and what it's worth? Because I imagine that's some easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, history kind of uh, does repeat itself. I mean, over 27 years, I've, uh, I do about a company a day. I've followed many companies over a long period of time. Certain industries lend themselves to better returns. So I specialize in uh, companies that are involved with IP, amongst others, but healthcare, diagnostics, and software, where there is intellectual property involved, and that means that you can earn a high return on capital. And also those are industries that, that are predisposed to growth. So if you have growth and return on capital, if you buy them at the right price, you should make good returns. You look to invest in businesses which have an economic advantage. I mean, is that intellectual property? Would that be an example of an economic advantage? Or, you know, or what sort of economic advantages do you look for in companies? Yeah, so to have high return on capital and to be able to sustain it is barriers to entry, economic advantage. That IP, intellectual property, is one of those parts, a particular one that I focus on. But you can, you can have very big businesses that would have cost advantages, something like Rio Tinto is a large cap pick is one of the lowest cost producers of iron ore. So we'll make higher return on capital. You also get things like network effects, whereby the first person into a market owns the market. So we would be thinking about companies like Auto Trader, which is a very good business. And then of course, actually, as I say, you've got to buy it at the right price. I think, like you said, you look to buy value situations on which you think 
other investors are too negative. But how do you determine what is a value situation rather than, a, I suppose, a real basket case? And, and you know, how do you avoid falling into value traps? So growth or the quality of an investment is about the business. So the business, as a matter of fact, will either grow or it will have a certain return on capital and so-called quality. The value is about what you pay for the share. So in all cases, we are trying to buy shares that offer value. I think often people talk about value when they mean low price. So if you go and buy a pair of shoes for £30, it's value as in absolute low price. We try and avoid the bottom quartile of quality when we invest in things. So we're always looking if we're buying a low price situation for a catalyst for how it might become more highly valued, whether it's a change of management or a change of strategy or something of that ilk. Obviously, you're looking to avoid these things, but you know, was it ever a time um, when you didn't get this right? And what did you do about it? So there have been, and I think the, the classic value traps are companies in declining industries. So over 27 years, you know, almost a cliche, but sort of 30 years ago, textile industry in the UK was declining. More recently, you know, the newspaper industry has declined as people um, have gone online. And if companies don't move to the online model, then that then they could decline. A company that I had like that was a company called Mecom, which was involved in regional newspapers. Very credible management team, very asset-backed, um, but the revenue was declining quickly than they could turn it around. Um, so we try and avoid um, industries that are sort of declining the top line. What did you eventually do with Mecon? Did you just sell it out or did you did you see any value in keeping it? At the, at the time, we owned a large percentage of it and we worked with the management team and um, there was eventually a takeover where we got some of the money we had in that situation lost back because, yeah, the, the, the solution to that was a sale of assets and um, and that's what happened. Okay. Now, when you add a new holding to the fund, you say that you wanted to, you know, contribute to the overall fund, the overall asset allocation. Um, what sort of ways could a new holding, um, you know, make that kind of contribution? Okay. So at a very simple level, if it's got more upside than anything else that's in the portfolio, then you would you would put something with, with a lot of big upside in and perhaps drop something that's performed for you or, or you see diminished prospects. We've only got 41 holdings so that, you know, when we buy something, we, we, we often will boot something out for one reason or another. But also at a portfolio management level, there's there's this idea that it's just not a collection of just collecting 40 stocks you like. There is, there is a control over what the overall portfolio looks like. So buying a company that's got a diversified risk um, from other things you, you have may mean that the portfolio performs better through time an example of that for instance would be if you had five or ten percent of the fund in oil stocks if you were to buy carnival or with air which consume oil then to some extent you take out the equation of the oil price which isn't to some extent something we can't control so so in that sense you are lowering the volatility of the returns at the portfolio level. The biggest issue in recent times in the UK has been currency exposure. So we're careful not to be a one-way bet on either side of the Brexit debate because we can't control that. We are bottom-up stock pickers. And that might mean 
you know, the 30th best idea doesn't get into the portfolio because it, it, it predisposes the fund too much to the UK, whereas we'd find the 31st, which is more international, and that might improve the, uh, the returns of the fund overall. Okay. Now, we've been obviously talking about your strategy uh, with FP Crux UK Special Situations. How does it differ to the funds you used to run, such as LNG UK Alpha and LNG UK Special Situations Trusts? Well, it's it's the best combination of the two. Um, the Special Situations Trust uh, was a more steady fund, 40 holdings, concentrate portfolios, so similar in that regard, but it had nothing in the AIM market or the, or the very small stocks. And in some ways that's an omission because they were very, very good for us in 08, 09, and it is, it is an area where I've made uh, very good returns. The Alpha Trust had 70 or 80% in the AIM market, and to some extent that was very volatile. It did incredibly well in 2009, but perhaps with a little bit too much. So the risk-reward of blending those two strategies, I think, um, it sh- should be the best outcome. Yeah, I mean, FB Cracks UK Special Situation also invests in um, shares quoted on the alternative investment market or AIM. I suppose an issue of this is this market, AIM, it's less regulated than the main market and considered to be a higher risk area. What makes it worth taking on the extra risk? Higher returns um, and a track record that uh, reflects that. So... We have our own money in the fund. We wouldn't involve things with more perceived risk unless we understand the risk. We get conviction that we will be rewarded for taking those risks. And at the end of the day, um, the coverage within the Crux fund is only 2% of the market. So the majority of things we won't touch. We are often buying at the same time as the directors on the board who are not just putting in 20 grand for an ISA. It's often hundreds of thousands of pounds. They know the situation, they know the value, they know whether there has been bid interest in the past or not. They know the value of their businesses, as we think we do. Um, But to see them buying like that is um, a real call to conviction. And we would expect to make more money from those holdings. Okay. I mean, do you do any extra due diligence before investing in shares quoted or name? I mean, and how do you satisfy yourself that they sound incredible investments? Um, so over 27 years, I've met a lot of companies often with a name company. I may have owned 10% of the business as it, when I was at my previous employer and known the business incredibly well. Um, so we are going into situations that we've known before, um, on the crux fund on aim, we have 18 names. I think they're on name market. They're smaller positions. But they're sort of cherry-picked, if you like, uh, on the basis of what we used to own before. And often that's because they're a very good business, but sometimes it's because it's been a, a very extreme price movement, which can get us in an incredibly attractive price. Okay. Um, and um, you said you what you have 18 AIM shares at mm. the moment. Roughly what percentage of, of the fund's assets does that account for? Well, today it's about 23%. And that would always be capped at 30%. Okay. Now, other than AIM, um, FP Cracks UK Special Situations has a focus on mid and small cap UK shares. I suppose the issue of these is they t- 
typically more exposed to the UK domestic economy, so are likely to be negatively affected if and when the UK leaves the European Union, especially if there's a no-deal Brexit. Why have you maintained exposure to these segments of the market in view of these risks? So typically they are more exposed to the UK economy. And to be clear, although they typically are, the portfolio we have doesn't reflect that. So we are at 40% UK exposure. The whole of the UK market would be about 33% by revenues. So we don't automatically pick those, particularly if we think there are risks around Brexit. And secondly, you know, Brexit has been on, you know, a scenario on the news every day for three years. A lot of those UK companies now are a lot cheaper than the international stocks that are out there that everybody's been buying for 10 years. So safe earnings in defensive growth stocks is 25, 26 years, to, you know, profits to pay back your capital price. You can buy certain large Brexit impacted stocks with yields of eight, eight and a half. And the trick, of course, is to find those companies that people perceive to have an impact, but in reality don't. And where perhaps herd instinct has, has driven the price down too low. Are there any particular areas or sectors where you know bad news is particularly factored into the price? And you know what would be examples of companies in those areas? I mean, the classic cheap sectors in the UK are banks and insurance companies. I prefer insurance companies to banks. I happen to have worked for a number of them over the years. I think in a lot of cases, uh, the cheap that the one that I single out at the minute is Standard Life because it's actually moved its insurance business into Phoenix Life. So that, if you like, binary risk that people perceive shouldn't be there. It's a special situation because it owns two fairly big stakes in um, HDFC uh, in India, and those are worth a very large percentage of the market cap. Now, as people have sold those shares and the pound has fallen, the value of those two holdings is... 50 to 60 percent of the share price you also have two investment platforms that are a bit like um aj bell how we understand that are valuable those are called parmenian and rap they're in a 20 percent stake of phoenix if you add it all up you're paying a, and you net out the proceeds you might get from these assets you, you're paying very very little for the 200 million pounds of profits that standard life make so it's not best of breed asset management by any stretch it has had its problems uh, but the price you're paying for it is is so low, we think we'll make a good return. And it's yielding between 7 and 8%. Okay. Now, some investors are totally avoiding or reducing UK equity exposure because of Brexit risk. Why would you argue that investors should still consider having some exposure to UK equities? Mm-hmm. So the UK market is cheap. It, it, uh, you can argue the, the case, but it's somewhere between 10 and 25% cheap relative to where it would have been given the Brexit process. Returns in equity markets are driven by starting price as much as they are prospects. Starting from this level, typically you will make pretty reasonable returns on one, three and five years. So starting from this level, it's, it's quite promising. Also, the UK stock market is not the UK economy. And then I think I said previously that with the UK economy, People have been reflecting upon Brexit for so long now and been trading with regard to that, that on a selective basis, a contrarian, a contrarian bet the other way might make you a lot of money. News gets reflected in prices is what I'm saying. 
Okay, thank you, Richard. A really interesting insight into how you select stocks and a helpful update on the state of UK equities. That brings us to the end of today's interview. But for more fund manager interviews and information on how to invest in UK equities, see the website at investorschronicle.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.